Yes. I mean, we do this kind of stuff in real life. Right. Girls always get together. We do community. Yeah. Now we're doing it for the world. I know. And it feels good. Mm. It, it does. feel like this is where life was meant to be? Yes. I love that. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, Season 8, Episode Number 2. This episode is brought to you by Tyndale University in Toronto, Canada. Since 1894, Tyndale has grown to offer a wide range of programs at the undergraduate, seminary, and graduate levels. Melinda and I are both proud to be alumni of Tyndale ourselves, and we couldn't be happier to partner again this season. For more information, go to www.tyndale.ca. Hello, my name is Addison Espilla, producer on See Here Love. Season 8 is all about host Melinda gets to know you. On this episode, Melinda gets to know her colleagues, Misha Watson and Christina Larice, television producers and hosts of Hey Misha and What It Takes. Here is Melinda Gets to Know, Misha and Christina. Well, welcome to Melinda and her colleagues, a podcast series where I get to know the people that I work with for better or for worse. (laughs) Gush fest, honest talks, solving all the world's problems while navigating my own or yours as well. And that's what the series is all about and what this show is all about. And who better to chat with than Misha Watson, creator and host of Hey Misha, biblical teaching variety show for kids. Hi, Misha. Hi. And Christina and... Laurice? Laurice. Laurice, I got it. You got it. Television host of Living Local and television host and producer at Yes TV and so much more. So welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Is this fun to be all together as women, as girls in our podcast studio crossroads? Yes. I mean, we do this kind of stuff in real life. Girls always get together. We do community. Yeah. Now we're doing it for the world. I know. It feels good. Mm. It it does. feel like this is where life was meant to be? Yes. I love that. So this is the part in segment one where I share what I love about you and what you do. And then you guys share what you love about me. And what <laughs> because I do, we love you. Right? So this is the gosh So let me go first. Okay. First of all, for both of you, I love your smiles, the way you embrace life and people. There's something physical for both of you, this open brightness about you that's so welcoming. It's open. If you know what I'm saying. It, it's like this all-inclusive inclusivity of people, love of life, lovers of life. I love that. And then specifically, Christine, I love that your motto is, and I checked you out a little bit, oh. to always, this is your motto, this is what you say, to always listen first and then add my creative input when necessary. Is mm-hmm. I believe it is important to speak up when you have a good idea and not hold back. I love that. Mm. I love that, I love that about you. And I also love that you're in the local community finding stories. Thank mm-hmm. you. That is, I, I, you know, I even forgot I said that. And then you just brought it up. I was like, hey, that's a good quote. It is. Who said that? Who said that? She's, she's really inspiring. I want to follow her. <laughs> no, I love that about you. And then, Misha, I love, I mean, yes, your mission is to ensure that kids across the nation know that they can have a personal relationship with God of the universe. But also, you have such a heart for single women and men. Mm-hmm. And for, as I look on your Instagram, like just people that might be on the outside, a bit on the fringe, 
Definitely. What some people would even define as marginalized. And I love that about you. Thank you. Oh, That's what, this is great. That's what I love. And I really do. Can I go now? Because I want You can go. Party. You can I'm go. I'm like so ready to do this. Okay. So, my thing is when I first got here at Crossroads, I'm getting to know people and I'm walking in, I'm seeing all these faces kind of all around. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Uh, She's adjusting my mic. For those <laughs> um, and I was so welcomed by you. And then I felt like I was multiplied by you. Like as soon as I was in your sphere, you were like, how can I put Misha on See Here Love? How can I talk to her more often? How can I introduce her to more people? How can I, you know, just, I felt like you were, I was in your mind and heart often mm. and I felt incredibly welcomed and invited. Mm. And I think you do that for a lot of women. And so we love you for that. Yeah. Thank you. You're a multiplier. Thank okay. you. I like that. Ooh. My turn. Ooh. Oh, okay. Okay. That's faster. Yeah, yeah, it is. Melinda, you are often the brightest person in the room. And I, I listen, oh, I nice. got the job here. COVID hit two months later, so I didn't even really get to know you that well. But what I do know of you to be a fact, an actual fact, is you light up every space Ooh. you're in. Like, mm. There's not one space that you're not in where we were even doing chapel earlier today. Who is cheering for the people at the front? You. Yeah. Your voice. And I just love that you're such an encourager. I think that's just something a lot of people have a hard time with. I think I have a hard time being an encourager. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like insecurities or whatever, but you're so good at it and it comes naturally to you. And I'm just, no. yeah, I, I just love that about you. And you inspire me to also be that type of person and bring women together and encourage them and say what's on the top of my mind. Thank you guys. And this is the reason why I'm doing this because there's so much more I want to say about the two of you, but it's because we work together and sometimes you don't get a moment and a pause to just be with each other yes. and really get to know each other and, and your heart. And because we're in this space, maybe it is a time just to know each other a little bit more. Misha, like what brought you here to Crossroads? Like, why do we have the benefit of having you in our space oh. together? Like, it's kind of like our collective story. Right, right. For me, um, when I started making content at, or I guess I was on television, not making content, but making TV, um, full-time was at YTV. And when I was there, I was making great content for children, and I was able to be a different side of myself creatively. However, there were, you know, there's kind of, uh, barriers and boundaries when you're in a different kind of network space than you would find here at Crossroads and STV. And I came here one day and I got to meet um, our then CEO and she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do this because it feels like when I can talk about my faith, I can actually use a part of my identity that is more, most true to me. Mm -hmm. I can speak more honestly. There's, I don't feel like there's any boundaries or any, you know, um, boxes around me and ceilings around me and I can just you know, talk freely and say, well, I was talking to God yesterday and it's not like people freaking out, you know, like, what is she about to say? Yeah. You know, I can say hallelujah. I can write content <laughs> where it's like, you know, I learned this this morning when I read the Bible and I just wanted to make content like that. And mm -hmm. I didn't, at the time, I didn't know Crossroads was around, to be honest with you, not born in Canada, didn't know anything about it. So when I came, I was like, this is my place. And I'm just so grateful that I've been able to find a community here mm -hmm. who know me very well. People actually know me now. I would say when I started doing content, I did have to kind of shrink certain parts of my personality and my identity. And here I'm just like, this is what you have. This is me 100%. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Camp Rock song? This yeah. <laughs> Also, I think people, I don't know if a lot of people know that Yes TV 
and crossroads are like cousins sisters mm-hmm. together something like, something like that so because you are part like even though we're saying yes tv you're a part of our family yeah too yeah. what brought you here so that's actually a funny story misha would be the ultimate connector of everything <laughs> oh, okay um, but previous to that my desire was always to be an actor of some sort tv i always thought that was a selfish dream Mm-hmm. Um, so for like three years of my life, I tried to pursue it. And eventually I was just like, you know what, God, if this is not where I'm called to be, then I surrender to you a week before I applied to teacher's college, which was initially where I was going to go. Okay. Misha reached out and cause I sent him an audition for YTV and I got denied. So I said, Misha didn't work out. She's like, Hey, I actually have an opportunity for you to be in my kid's show. No for a bit. way. Did that. I left actually bawling my eyes out because I was like, God, why would you put me in this place where I want to do something so badly and then rip it away from me? <laughs> and I, I just remember crying on the drive home after we wrapped. Um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. I cried in tears of joy because of the oh, opportunity I was right. given. Oh, was it because Misha was like, ah, I stayed up. I was crying in tears of joy because of the opportunity I was given, but also crying because I felt this grief. I was like, I'm never going to be in the TV world. It's just never going to happen. And then a month later, he said, hey, they're, host- they're looking for a host for this show that I used to host, Living Local. You should apply. And then it was, yeah, a week before I was about to hand in my applications for Teachers College. I went to four interviews here, and then I got the job. And it was... No way! I didn't know that. I didn't know that story. It was a miracle. It, so yeah. the, me being here today feels like... I surrendered something to God and I was given it back in a way that I didn't even expect. So, wow. Yeah. And Misha was my connecting point because we did go to church together. Yes, years ago. Years ago. It's like God did so much moving yes. that I was like, couldn't see it. And now in hindsight, mind blown. So, even sitting in this room today with you and two wonderful hosts. Amazing. It's wild. Huge. You know what I love about this? This is a shout out to people. And I said it's just people because a lot of our how I've gotten to where I've gotten has been people who said, here's an opportunity. Or yeah. one of them was like, oh, I got a job, but I, I'm taking another job. So do you want to just take my job? Mm. I'm not kidding. Or people are like, Mal would be good at this. And they did the same right. thing I did for Christina. Right. Yeah. And what I mean is, is that people who are listening, if you know of people who are great and have gifting and you have an opportunity to put them there or to encourage them there, do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's what it is. A lot of mine hasn't necessarily been any schooling or things. It's been people, you know, saying, I believe in you. I think you'd be great, Mel. I'll put my, I'll put your name forward. Absolutely. It might be the same for dating, too. That could be the same for dating. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I wish. (laughs) I wish I was getting recommendations. You know, he's not for me, but like, maybe he's for you. I'm like, okay. Listen, if you have a bad experience on a first date and it doesn't work out for you, I would I think it should be the culture where you're like, hey, I went on a first date with this guy, but I think you guys would be a better match. I would oh. love that. <laughs> then that's what, we, that's what I'm saying, like recommendations. We yeah. need to be recommending our friends in at work and in possible relationships. I think so too. Most times, unfortunately, I'm like, no, 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 he's not good enough for you. But then I I catch myself because okay. there's this ego thing when you finish a date, you're like, he's not my guy. Mm. <laughs> and you didn't give him an opportunity to get, you didn't give him the opportunity to stick around long enough to really get to know him. Maybe your your friend yeah. would. Yeah. So sometimes it's kind of like, maybe it's not even your opinion. Maybe just let her have her own opinion on him. And just send the Instagram. Send the, okay. the Instagram so, you can, so she can have a look. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. 
Now's the time for our fun fast questions. Fun fast. Okay. Aside from your your show and see here love, what is your favorite TV or streaming show, past or current, and why? Kevin, go first on this. Christina, go for it. I'm stealing it. I am absolutely obsessed and like capital O B S E S S E D. Did I spell that right? Yeah. Nice. I'm absolutely obsessed with Stranger Things. I know it's the hype right now. Yeah. I know it's the hype right now, but I legitimately actually finished it in one day. And I know many people also have. I need to be the first in to watch it. Like, talk to people about it. There's something about sci-fi that hits me in a spot where I can actually, it elevates me into this, like, world that takes me out of reality for a bit of time. Yeah. Mm. Love it. <laughs> I love it. I, um... I'm watching it, like the fourth. The fourth. Fourth is like crazy, but wild. Watched it all. I love it. And there is, it's some people like, really? That's your thing? But you're right. It's like they give other dimensions and the possibility and good and evil and friendship and learning to work together and like all that kind of. There's so many things about yeah. Stranger Things. Yeah, I, I could relate it to my faith and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what feel better. No, you don't. Everyone's like, Stranger Things. <laughs> Okay, that's awesome. For me, okay. for me, it was, um, it is, my favorite show, past and present, is Gossip Girl. Oh, I actually feel I like, because it, it was a toss-up between Gossip Girl and New Girl, okay. because both shows are, like, strong female leads, mm-hmm. and the reason I love it is, Gossip Girl specifically, we'll go with that, is when the black girl comes on the, on the, on the screen, she's not only the best dressed, she's not only the most highly educated, she's not only the one that has the strongest opinion, but she's also just like, just so cool. Like, mm-hmm. and I felt so often that you'd see these shows and it's like set in New York, set in Miami, you don't see a black face at all. Mm-hmm. But in this show, it was the same for a couple of seasons, no black people. But then all of a sudden I was like, Raina Thorne, oh my gosh. And she shows up on the scene and she's like an heiress but she also was like a lawyer and so epic and if you speak to any of my friends my friends of color we all say the same thing but Raina though and it was so <laughs> oh. important to us because i love gossip girl like i'm a blair at heart for those of you who know about gossip girl um but when Raina came in it just changed it all for me and that's like high school that was like wow. my high school show yeah you need you need a show that says but Raina though but Raina I think I that'd be that. awesome, but Raina though, and just like brand, brand it, mm. brand that. That's that I would actually that. take off for yeah, sure. Okay, aside from you and me, who is your favorite influencer or host, past or present? Oh, that's a good question. Oh my gosh, I, I thought I had a person. Can I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Go. Okay. Um, I mean, it's not really a host of like a talk show or anything, but I love Steve Harvey. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I actually continuously aspire to be as witty and as funny as you. So witty, yeah. Like, good. Do you guys remember when he messed up the USA thing? Okay. At first, I thought he was like, I'm like, it's Steve Harvey, so he's joking. No, wait. Oh no. (laughs) He messed up big. Yeah, totally. But who better in the world to mess it up? Because Steve Harvey is like the most lovable human on the face of this planet. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. If you're watching Steve Harvey, which (laughs) I would. I would love to meet him. <laughs> oh, I love that. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Uh, Christina wants to meet you. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. That's a good one. He also loves Jesus. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, he yeah. always has these moments after family yeah. where he's like talking to the audience, being like, "You guys, there's so much more purpose in your life." Oh, nice. Being funny. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so you can relate. Like you have got the same kind of way about you too. Yeah. Okay. I'd say. Steve he's really cool. Win. Win. <la
I, I'm twin twins. Both of you decided to learn how like, very different you are, but I love that. I love but they're that. twin flames. Twin flames. Okay. Twin stash. Like watch salt right now. Thanks for doing that. Good. Thanks for so that much. before you came to see I us. I love it. Uh, my <laughs> favorite host or such influencer is actually Graham Norton. So mm. for those of you who don't know, he's an Irish, he's an Irish uh, host, but he does like his amazing show. Graham Norton show has been around for 20 years. It's a, it's a night show. But the reason I'm even a host today is because of the Saturday night lineup in England. So okay. the England presenters and hosts are just like revered in a whole different way than they are in North America. Like they are, they get knighted. Like they like the queen recognizes hosts in English. It's very different court presenters. But Graham Norton, just like Steve Harvey, <laughs> is um, super witty. But he also kind of brings A-list celebrities down to earth. He talks yeah, to them all in a way that makes us feel like we're all friends. Like, yes, um, I don't know, Maggie, Margot Robbie and Tom Cruise and Michael B. Jordan. Hi, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Hi. 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 I just want to like, yeah. <laughs> friends. Just be friends. Um, and so, oh my gosh, Michael B. Jordan's actually dating Stephen Harvey. Stephen Harvey's daughter. daughter. Stop. Oh my Whoa. goodness, there's it's a connection. connection. <laughs> it happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Lord, is that what's happening? <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. I'll leave it up to you. But yeah, they could have come in to, you know, like to promote their movie and then forget about that. We've got a really awesome conversation. Yeah. He's really cool. Yeah. Some of the craziest things that were said, some of the best sound bites from actors that are real, transparent, or interesting come from his show. Yeah. I say it all the time. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay, what about you? Oh, me. Yeah. I know it sounds like so cliche, but growing up, Oprah Winfrey was my ultimate. I think here's a couple of reasons. First of all, she wasn't this like thin, mm. you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. typical yeah. gorgeous host with the best hair, the best makeup, best body. Mm -hmm. And Oprah, I will not forget in the way she, and that's how I actually modeled as I was growing up her questions and how she created space for people to pause, think and push them a little bit more yeah. to get the real answer. She would kind of go, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Because a lot of it's scripted, that publicists are telling me what to say. Right. And I'm in the beginning days, I would go, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But what's really going on? Yeah. Why did you really struggle in that movie part? And then they go, okay, Oprah. <laughs> it was trauma for my childhood. It like, break down. Break yeah, down. Yeah. And she, had, she was risky. I mean, she was she was interviewing like white supremacists. Yeah. And people were against LGBTQ with an with a, you know, an LGBTQ panel. She was, I mean, she was always pushing the envelope yeah. and not afraid. Yeah. And then the most powerful thing for me was when she said she did, she did a show about, I think, a genital mutilation or something, or something really horrific. And then she looked right to camera and she said, now that you know you have responsibility to do something or not. Wow. She basically said, now that I've shared it, you can't call and say, I don't know about it right. because now you do. And now that you know about it, you now have responsibility toward it and for it. Uh -huh. And then she just let the audience sit there and then they panned across and everybody was like, <laughs> because you know, half of them, more than half would probably hear it, be like, oh, and then not do anything. Mm -hmm. But there were people that took her to heart. And then yeah. she had stories of those people wow. that were in the studio audience that did it. So Oprah was, the way she questioned, the way she created space mm -hmm. and the courage it took 
for even in the midst so, that she was she was anti what Hollywood wanted as a pretty yeah a pretty host yeah so that's what I would say I love that speaking of Oprah though just to piggyback on what we were saying before she was actually co-signed as well so she someone said that you would be great for this thing yeah oh, she and was. I think yeah and they brought her up someone, yeah that's right did that. and I feel like that was that's part of where her bravery could come from mm-hmm. when someone else co-signs you to get started and says I think you'd be great at this yeah and they just hold you up you have a bit of a leg up in your like run you know like yeah. someone's behind you even if it's just one person they're not there for very long you've got someone who's saying you've got this go for it yeah gives you, you so much more yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. Oprah and Melinda would like to meet <laughs> and you can bring Gail That's yes what... bring Gail bring Gail <laughs> we have three calls and I am tomorrow Melinda you're going to have a call on your okay. from one of them yeah, one of yeah. them yep okay Aside from the See Here Love book, <clears throat> Always Know, mm-hmm. what is your favorite book and why? Okay, I'm going first. I always like to know what people read. Go ahead. Okay, so I read this book maybe a year ago, um, and it, to this day, I will recommend any person to read it. It's called <clears throat> Bamboozled by Jesus. The oh. Way, the Way God Tricked Me into the Life of My Dreams. Wow. It's so good. It's written by Yvonne Orji. She's an insecure and she's a stand-up comedian and she's Nigerian and she has a podcast called Jesus and Jaloff. Um, <laughs> and it's just so, she's, the way she writes about singleness mm-hmm. is fresh. It doesn't make single women want to roll their eyes. It's honest. It's down to earth. It is hard to listen to. It is um, convicting. It is full of the bible in the book she calls it dgb the good book because she just i don't know she just (laughs) has a fun way of using language and i just absolutely love it and it just talks about how god can surprise you or how god will surprise you non-stop Mm. and you will then look up and say wow oh my gosh i'm actually living the dream that i prayed for 10 years ago and but at that moment you're praying for another thing so you forget oh my gosh like the life i have right in this moment is what i prayed for and that's what's happening to her throughout her career Mm. and i'll just say this one part about the book what I used to encourage a lot of women. She's an actress and she's in this show and there's sex scenes in the show. Mm. And she knows that she may have to have sex scenes. She's a virgin herself. And she says, okay, how am I going to get cast in this show when I know for a fact I won't do sex scenes, but everyone lining up behind me probably would be okay with it. Mm. And she told the director, I can't do certain things. I know you haven't decided yet, and I don't know if I'm going to get this job, but I'm putting myself on the line here and saying, I won't do these things. And she made, like, a real, based on, like, the kind of sex scenes she was willing to do, in a sense, like, certain things that were kind of, like, would hide certain things so she could get around it and what felt comfortable for her within her faith. And she obviously booked the role. And that's another thing that, like, that's a strength and a confidence and a bravery she had in her faith to say, if this is for me, it will be mine. Mm. And she put her job on the line. And as a performer, so often we're put in positions where we have to say, okay, is this going against what I believe my faith to stand for? Mm. And she stood for her faith. And Emmys later, she's like this huge, like, epic performer. And I'm just like, oh, yes, stand up for it. And like, don't hold back. And yeah, so love it. So bamboozled by, bamboozled by Jesus. How God Tricked Me Into the Life of My Dreams by Yvonne Orji. Nice. Thank you. Great book. I have to look that up. I have so good. You can borrow mine. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Christina. Well, you know, I'm not going to lie here. I say that I'm a big reader because I'm not. I used to be. I used yeah. to be like Twilight, Hard Fan, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, But I was given this book for Christmas and it's called 
what if Jesus was serious about prayer? Oh. And prayer has always been this kind of thing in my life where I'm like, I can talk to Jesus and I can ask for things, and but it's his will, so it depends on like what he wants to do. And isn't it already like written in time what he's going to do? So how does prayer even make sense? Mm-hmm. The book just essentially highlights like all the misconceptions one person would have about speaking to God and how that kind of gets it gets flipped on its head and like what he really meant and it dives into scripture and really focuses on like what prayer actually is. Mm. Um, so I've only read half of it so far. I'm going to read the rest and then maybe I can give you a real recommendation. But I honestly, from the half that I've read, it's changed my prayer life. Really? In what yeah. way? And how? In the way that I approach God now and I'm able to understand like what he did, how he prayed to his father. Mm. And I'm like, okay, like I can pray the same way. I can pray these big audacious prayers. And, like, know that my father is still listening, like, sorry, still listening, always listening to me, always with me. Mm -hmm. And the point of prayer is less about the, like, task of prayer and more about the relationship that you have with it. And that's pretty common sense, but that, I think just it reaffirming that as I'm reading is, like, mind-boggling to me. And um, just really digging deep into how Jesus did it and how we should do it and model our prayer after him. That's That's just something I've been liking so far, but other than that, I don't read too much. So, gotta be honest. I love it. No, that's really good. I would say my old one, oldie but goodie, was What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. And at the time, I was, I'll be honest, I was very stuck in a very, hmm, my faith was very close and it wasn't open to other ideas, theology. And I I grieve, I will be honest, um, how I lived as a Jesus follower back then. I was quite judgmental. Um, I assumed about things about people. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm, I grieve that because I think sometimes when you grow up as a Christian and you were influenced by certain people and certain theology and certain pastors, you, you come up with this way of living and how you see people or don't see people. And this book comes along by Phil Bianzi, What's So Amazing About Grace. And every chapter talks about these moments where he was like confronted with people that the church or Christians would go, uh, mm-hmm. and God continually said, no, I love them. You love them. Yeah. Uh, be gracious to them. And so it rocked me because I remember looking at stuff going, but I'm not supposed to engage with the LGBTQ. I'm not supposed to engage in questioning things about the Bible. I'm not supposed to engage in science and the Bible. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like there were so many things. And when I was growing up that people answered for me, so I didn't have to think. Right. And also, uh, just how people made assumptions about other groups of people. And that book changed my life. I I actually sobbed through it because it was like God's spirit said, I'm going to open your eyes up to when I say, for I loved the whole world. There's no exclusion in that, which is which is challenging in so many ways yeah. in in things. And so that changed that actually that book changed the course of my life. It's I've crazy. never heard about grace like that. I thought grace was in the context of, you know, those certain people can receive grace. Mm. Those people can't. Mm. Oh, they're so far gone, or they're not following the way we follow. Right. And changed my life. Isn't it wild that someone's writing in a book that they've spent months on, maybe years even thinking about, can change people's lives just like in an instant, like after reading it? I think that's crazy to me because 
those people might have struggled through writing that book, maybe even had moments of doubt. Is it good enough? And yeah. it changed your life. Changed yeah. my life. And I mean, I've got a chance to, to meet Philip Yancey, a well-known, you know, uh, Christian speaker. And I was, it was like so embarrassing because everybody's lining up and I'm like, hi. <laughs> and he's like, hi. I'm like, hi. Because there was so much I wanted to say. Mm. And then I handed in the book to sign. And then for some reason, there was another session that people didn't go back to. So all the people behind me, I don't know, I, was, I still think it's a God thing, all left for some reason, went into the big session. It was at a conference. And I ended up with Philip Yancey by myself in like the foyer. And I'm like, Fair so enough. we, yep, so we sat oh. down and I said, I want to tell you how this book changed my life. And he said, so interesting. People say that, but I don't really like, you know, they'll say it and then I don't really take it in. But as I was saying it, like I got overcome with emotion. Oh, I started wow. getting emotional about God's spirit. He did. And he was like, that means so much because like you said, Christina, like I'm writing it thinking it's for, just for me, mm-hmm. but actually it was for the world and for people like you. And I'm like, thank you so much, Bella. Oh. I know. Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay. Now's the time where each one of you, if you want, can ask me any question. Okay. Okay, which kind of freaks me out because I'm like, oh, (laughs) what are they going to ask me? But you can ask me any question you want to if you want. Just so you can get to know me. Speaking of freaking you out, uh, this is my question I ask to all the people I look up to, which is, you're included in the group, is um, if you could freaky Friday with any person, living or dead. Oh my gosh. Who would it be? Who could I freaky Friday with? Yeah, so you're switching places for an entire day. Oh my gosh. They're in your life too. And you're in theirs. For an entire <laughs> That's like kind of freaky. Oh my gosh, it is freaky. Taking over their personality, taking over their body. Their, their body, body they're like, okay. Home, bank account. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, well then. You're like, Beyonce. Elon Musk. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, I actually, I know this sounds crazy, but I've always looked up to J-Lo. Oh. I think her work ethic, I think she looks better at 50 plus than mm. she did in her 20s. Mm-hmm. I also think that she's been misunderstood a lot and put to the side because of like her roots because she's not the typical again hollywood-ish look and way um but as i've been looking at her her work ethic her love of life she has a lot of great friends but i want her to know jesus in the way that i do so if we're going to switch it up imagine jayla coming into my life in community and her like oh Maybe Ben and I can start, you know, doing some <laughs> dinner churches together. Well, but there's just something about I really do because I think she's a hard worker and respect women that work mm. hard. They're not just given the opportunity. She has worked from the beginning yeah. hard at her craft. Yeah. The dancing, figuring out her singing, all of that to get where she's at. Yeah. So I would take her. Love that. Yeah. She is Jennifer the Block. I mean, oh I, my I grew up gosh. With her, so. I can understand your mm-hmm. like, desire oh, to switch her life. Okay, so Frankie, that's a good question. Okay. But I like that you said that you, you she can come into your life for evangelism. You that's like, true. Her coming into my life, because you know your own community, yeah. that that's going to change her life. I'd be like, so they would come in there, oh, and then uh-huh. boom, all my girlfriends would be like, girl, bop, 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 oh, bop, yeah, bop, sure. good out here too. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's my question. Okay. I'm a new fresh baby host. haven't <laughs> been in the industry for long. Okay. You have been in the industry. And you know all the ins and outs so far. You host oh, your own show. Yes. How many shows do you have now? A lot over. Becca, how many shows do you have now? 247. 247. 247 Thanks, Becca. Shows. Becca's our producer here. Just shout out to Becca. <laughs> hey, Becca. Hey, Becca. Okay. So, 247 shows, and you've done, like, you've done hosting gigs, emceeing gigs. Yeah. You know 
So if you can offer me one piece of advice that you've learned throughout your life, mm-hmm. what what is that one piece of advice that you could give me as someone who's like newer in the industry? So that's a really good question. This is what I would say. Hosting, a lot of people think think it's all about talking and communication. But being a great host is about listening. And I would say that what I learned in my 25 years of doing this is to listen. Yeah. And when you listen, you learn more. And when you allow for the pause, some uncomfortable silence, well, that's important. I'm not good at that. Right. Because we, we like to fill. And that yeah. was one of the biggest things I learned that I'm always filling, 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 filling. Oh, there's a pause. Okay, fill it with something. Whereas some of the most profound moments of hosting came when we had to just take a pause a moment for myself or for, for my guest. And some of the most incredible things came out of that. Uh, and the listening is important. Right. The other thing too is I really had to learn not to um and ah, <laughs> which is part of the learning craft of communication because sometimes ums and ahs fill again. When you're speaking, you're like, um, uh, and somebody told me years ago, it's okay to just be quiet yeah. and have sort of that pregnant pause. Pregnant pause. <laughs> Hey, and keep going. I'm gonna take that with you. Right? So there's an intentionality about speaking because sometimes there's like boop, 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 fill, 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 fill. But a lot of times I'm like, okay. See, right there, right there, I was like, oh my goodness. Same thing. I was like, I was like, wait, should I take the lead? And you know what's funny? Because like we do live in an uh, environment where everything's moving so quickly, but just having a moment to just sit in it and think and reflect, even if it's literally two seconds right it's so long for a host to sit in two seconds because our brain moves so quickly right but to intentionally sit and go i'm gonna give this person a moment what yeah and then i think the third thing i would say is i think as a host one of the things i learned was when not to have interviews where you're trying to get to you as a host are trying to get to the outcome you want. Mm. So a lot of times I have to be careful because I'm like, well, this show is about over-functioning and this guest is going to get to that part where they're going to nail this to, to, to make the show amazing. Right. And there are many times where I'll sense God's spirit and say, you need to listen and what sparks interest in you, that's what you go with. So some of the most incredible interviews I've had and the best feedback was when a guest would come in and we're all thinking they're going to talk about X. And all of a sudden they say something. And I'm like, oh, that that's really powerful. Explain that. And we've gone on a completely different tangent, ended it with such connection and like Holy Spirit. like. Ooh. And afterwards, I've had so many people say, best interview. Wow. Because you didn't have an agenda. Right. You, let, you let the conversation breathe and kind of grow into that moment. And so I've had people. And trust it'll get And trust it. I've had people go, yeah, we're on this, like, our publicist is, you're, you're number 12. I've had 12 interviews. Tell me what you're going to say. I know what the questions are going to be. And then I go, no. And we do something different, and it changes everything. And it, and it allows the, the guest to actually, there. I've had many moments where a guest has shared something that usually they do off the record, but they actually said it to me, and it went, it went public. Wow. wow. Because they were like, you know, for example, I was interviewing Max Licato, who was a you know, famous Christian author. He wrote that book about the dots and the stars. Yeah, so Max Licato, he had done a number of interviews prior to me, and we were talking about courage, because his book was about courage. 
he's talking, he's talking, he's talking, and we're getting into it with courage. And then he goes, you know, I've only told my family this. I haven't told anybody else this, but I feel like I need to tell you this. And he proceeds to say that he was going um, into surgery for like a double heart, is it a double heart something? I was like, a, like something about his heart that was really scary. And he got emotional with me. And he goes, but I haven't told anybody this, but I feel like I need to tell you, Melinda, because I'm talking to you about courage and I'm not being courageous at all through this. Wow. And he got emotional. I'm like, and he goes, and you could seem a little afraid that he was telling me, but there was something in it where I, was, I sort of leaned into the, the conversation. Wow. And afterwards he said, uh, is that airing? I said, well, if you want it to air or not, he said, right. let it air. Wow, and then that's what impacted people the most when they launched it back. Mm-hmm. Wow. So again, allowing for that. So I would say that, and I, I only gave you three things. So listening, pregnant pauses. Yes. <laughs> and then giving space for the conversation to go around. Exactly, because a lot of times you'll see this anywhere. It's like, there are times where, you know, this is what we want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But the best interviews have been where it's like, hold it loosely, and it well, gets to Because that's what happens in life. You know, you don't go into a conversation with a friend being like, we're going to talk about <laughs> A and B today. <laughs> And then once we finish, we're going to wrap up with C. Right. That's not what happened. Right. Right. I've talked to you so many times, Misha, in the lunchroom, and we've, like, talked about the most random things. Oh, yeah. And it's the best. That's and the it, best. It's life-giving. Yeah. Thank you. So those are, those, yeah. Thanks. Those were great questions. Okay. Segment three. This is the point I got. Segment three. Okay. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you do? If okay. you weren't doing the post, what would you be doing? <laughs> you go, you go, you go. Okay. Okay. I, like I said before, I got this job. I actually was about to apply to teacher's college. Okay. Um, I love kindergarten kids, kid age kindergarten kids. I don't want one for myself. <laughs> Not right now. I love the ability to be able to give them back. But kindergarten aged children are just so, like, they're, they can talk, you know, and they, they're curious about life. And they haven't, like, been jaded yet. Mm -hmm. And then also, they're just so fun. They're, like, really fun. You can tell them whatever you want. But they have a a joy about life that I I so much envy. And so I I love spending my time with them and just being able to just have a new perspective on life and have fun. Because when I'm having fun with them, I'm not really thinking about all the responsibilities and things that I have to do. I'm just thinking about being present with them, and I think that's the best. So I would have loved to be a kindergarten teacher. Why don't you combine that, like, a Christina with, like, kindergarten kids, yeah. and then it's, like, a show, and she goes out and does, yeah, I mean, what, that would be amazing. on our show, What It Takes, we could do What It Takes to be a kindergarten teacher, because oh maybe, maybe I'm romanticizing it. Maybe it's actually really <laughs> yeah. All the kindergarten teachers are like, she has no idea. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely romanticizing it. So all the kindergarten teachers that taught through COVID, I would give them a shout-out. Yay! That's amazing. Okay, so kindergarten teacher. For sure. Okay. I am not really good at anything else. I need to mm-hmm. be in entertainment. I need to be in, in, not necessarily performing in front of people, but in, in a place where we are creating things for people. It's got to be all about creation. So I was a tour guide for a long time. We were talking about that earlier. I absolutely loved I it. I would love to do I It was to be so that. fun. I did it for a year. Okay in a bunch of Canadian hotspots and some in the US. The only way I got to know Chicago was by being a tour guide in Chicago. Absolutely loved it. But the, my favorite part was writing my scripts. Uh-huh. Was coming up with content while I was out there. And actually I shot my first like reel. Goes to pretend like I was like getting hired on shows. <laughs> I would shoot stuff. They don't want to be a of TV. Course. Just the best way to do it. Pretend like you're an 
stash and we can just like sneak in inside kind of thing. Um, and so that's what I would do. So I think for my, for my whole life, um, I've always been creating things. So I think whether I was in front of the camera or behind it, I had a dream to be a morning show host. Um, okay. I've had a dream to be a radio host, like just something where I'm always creating constantly as much as possible. You know, in Home Alone, where he has the talk boy, which is like that voice recorder. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, One, two, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to say the whole line now, but, okay. <laughs> um, but that, so I had one too. I had a talk girl. It was purple. Really? It was the first thing my parents bought me um, to kind of help me in my career here. I think uh, it's because they were like, she's really good at this. But then any other like school activity, I was like, eh. like I'm, I'm almost six foot tall. I'm wearing heels today, so I'm like six foot one. <laughs> but um, I was bad at basketball. Like it's not very competitive. But when it came to creating things, I've always been like, this is my thing. So if I'm not doing what I'm doing right now as an executive producer, I'm still creating something. Yeah. hundred percent. I would say for me, creating is big for me. And I would either be a fashion designer or an interior decorator. You dress so well. You do. If you we do. could fashion. go back to the dash moment real quick, you're, you were like always dressed well. Yes. Maybe Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> fashion. Because I went to yeah. the fashion academy school in Toronto when it, when it happened before I went to Bible College. No way. I did a year of it because I, I designed my clothes. I had to do some of the windows at the Eaton Center or the, you know, down in Toronto. Um, and I learned under Alfred Sung uh, at the school. It was way back then. And I almost did it. And then I decided to go to Bible College. That's a whole other story. But I... I I would make my clothes, people would stop me and go, where did you get that? I'm like, oh, I designed it, I made it. So absolutely fashion design. I love fashion magazines. I love everything about fashion, which kind of trickles into interior design. Mm. I cannot get enough. Like when Shiplap came up, but Joanna <laughs> Gaines, I was like all about Shiplap. And then I was like changing stuff up. And anyway, I would totally do that. But I think it's the creative outlet. Like I think I, you know, doing hosting and producing and editing, there's creative parts and Perfect. things like that. So I think the creating part mm-hmm. has always been big for me. Okay. All right. Throwing a totally different kind of question. Mm. <laughs> what bothers you about social media and what do you see as benefits for social media? Especially because I think for you, you know, both of you are millennials. Right. And so I'm always interested about social media for you because we're always like, oh, that's the generation of social media. Mm-hmm. And I'm always wanting to know truly what you think about it. Okay, so Good and bad. I mean, I love this because for, so social media includes like Pinterest and yeah. LinkedIn. Oh, it's right. not just okay, Instagram. Because so we don't think, yeah, exactly. Right, but it's the whole thing. And so for me, like uh, over pandemic, I gained weight. And it was the first time where I walked past the mirror and I would see in the mirror something I didn't like. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a privilege that most of my life I was like, I like the way I look. I'm cute, you know. And then I had times in pandemic where I was like, oh gosh, like I should not have had the extra glass of wine. I should mm-hmm. not have eating an entire loaf of bread, you know, all those kind of things. Or, or Big Mac at 1 a.m. Big Mac. I'm like an A&W. Oh, I did like A&W, yeah. Uber Eats, yeah. exactly. I live downtown Toronto. Oh, yes. So it's like, I, I'm right by the greatest Thai food restaurant, I think, oh. in Toronto, which is Pai. <gasps> Shout out to Chef New York Deluxe. <laughs> I, so, and I got to meet her as well. So is it? Because I have the best, I like here in Burlington, yeah, which yeah. is Thai coconut. Mm. Thai is unreal. Is Thai it? is next level. Unreal. Wow. And they have live music on Thursdays. So you go to the Eglinton location. Um, Pi, if you'd like to sponsor the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I would order it in. And I was eating so much, and like, it's not, I mean, I'm not even talking about like weight specifically, but it was just like a lot on me. And I looked in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. But I would go to Pinterest and I would see fit girls with a different kind of fashion. 
And it opened me up to, let's not get back into the same jeans I had in 2019. Let's think about what kind of jeans I can wear today. Yeah. And it just shifted the way I saw my body. And it, it's, it's a constant journey of back and forth of like, oh, like I want to get more fit, but at the same time, I'm, I love the way I look. And I'm going back and forth. But to be honest with you, Pinterest for me, like it felt like it saved me. It saved my self-confidence to an extent. That's just right. being able to see other women, like how they dress. And I just fairly modest. Like, I mean, it's not really like the top of my list when I'm choosing outfits to wear. But um, I was able to see just variations on how to do it. So I love Pinterest for that. And then same thing for Instagram. I'm starting to see more body positive women talk about their bodies yeah. in such an open, beautiful way that when I didn't think about where I looked, because I was like, I look awesome. Um, it didn't mean as much to me, but now when my self-confidence is so connected to my looks, um, it has been incredibly helpful. That's a great benefit. Yeah. We always think about the, like, the things that are bad about it. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Yeah. And what's, is there anything bad? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, would say, I would say it's because it, yeah. it encourages so bad decision-making. So as a single woman, um, I have done some questionable things um, by, like, looking for guys on there. Mm -hmm. Where, like, one time there was, a, there was a church that I looked at and I went to the... Now, this is me getting real honest. But I can know someone out there is playing the exact same thing. Okay. Yeah. And they're going to relate. So I went onto a church's... Instagram account went to where who they follow went through their follow list. It's like oh they're probably co-signed by this church, right? right? Oh cool. Went to the follow list. Went through the follow list. Looked at a tiny tiny display picture. I was like oh he's kind of cute. Went to his profile. Then followed him for a while. Yeah. Not like I didn't follow follow. Like I right. just watched him for a while yeah. and creep. Found him and was like oh. Then I went to the event I knew he was going to be at and casually did a casual run in. That's a wow. lot. Listen, that is a lot, <laughs> right? Wow. What? Both of you've done it. Sorry, creeping people. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to do. Yeah. I was at the same really? event. And I, you know when you try to like get in their way? <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. No. Oh, oh so, hi. That's nice to me. I know everything about your family. We're not 2014. We're not I'm engaged now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it's, it's real. Like that, that's what it does. So to an extent, it's very helpful in that regard. But I don't really want to encourage that. I right. would not want to tell anyone, you should do this. But that's the part yeah. of, like, that I'm like, mm, if I did not have Instagram, I would not have done right. that. So for anybody that you somebody bumps into you <laughs> randomly... Mm, it might not be so random. It's not like I've had under time that was Oh, for sure. I did a casual run with a friend this weekend. Like, she had done the exact same thing. And oh, I was her, oh. like, buddy. And we okay. went to the, the event being like, okay, there's Christians there. Like, it's probably going to be there. Like, yeah. maybe we'll meet our guy. And that was this weekend. Like, I mean, it happens so often. It's like, so normal to us now. Wow, okay. <laughs> okay. No, okay, Christina. Good, the bad, the ugly. The good, so show me. The good, honestly, like, Social media doesn't impact me as much. I have this tendency to have envy. I know that about myself. But for some reason, my envy does not lie in social media. It lies in real life. Because I know social media is yeah. not real. So right. like, it's been ingrained okay. since the very moment that I've had social media. It's a highlight reel. I get that. That is not like difficult for me. The part that I have trouble with, the bad and the ugly, is the amount of time I spend on here. Oh, the yes. time. It just... 
it actually sucks my, you know, you know the uh, screen time on Yes, I get those right in the purple. I go, nine and a half hours. I average <gasps> last week. I'm, Wait, nine and a half hours a day? Or nine and a half week? hours a day. <gasps> I averaged last week. Listen. <laughs> if you could see our faces right now. I, um, can, I can pull it up. But I'll, anyways, I know. I know. Yeah, that's okay. really bad. And, um, no, no, judgment no judgment here. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. That's where I broke my on my lunch break or at night, at night. night. As soon as I go to bed at like 11, I'm on till two. Sometimes that's the part that shames me the most. And I, I am, I can say this as a truth. I'm addicted to this thing. I need to, I need help. <laughs> and okay. I'm laughing, but it's, I, I'm not the only one. I know. No, no. And especially when you're having an off week and like, mm -hmm. I know that I come off as like a very lovely, like really fun person, but I had an off week last week and I was just, I was like, this is going to be my escape. Yeah. This is going to be my place where I can just be myself and, sorry, not be myself, be online without thinking about all the responsibilities that I have. And yes. that's the bad and the ugly because I know there are things that I could be doing that are beneficial to my soul, my spirit, my life. Mm -hmm. And that's not all the time. I can say like those nine hours like definitely happen over the times where I feel sad and just mm. sorrowful and just overwhelmed with life. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would say that that has really impacted me. And that's just honest. No, I, I really appreciate that because there's a lot of other people yeah. that are we're like, yeah. yeah, that's me too. Yeah. But on the positive that's side it. of the nine hours is that through that time, it's not just social media. It's like texting. I mm -hmm. do actually have really good conversations with people through text. And that is the primary way a lot of people communicate nowadays. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that I've invited more people to church through Instagram than I ever have in real life. Wow. And, really? Yeah. And people have like, because I guess I'm a host on TV, there's mm -hmm. people that follow me that are like, Hey, I, you're Christian. Where can I go to church? And I've impacted, I feel like I have had more impact through this phone than I ever had in real life. And I don't know if that's the direction our world is heading in. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we should discount it. That's people that's, who say, that's good. That's people good. Who say oh, social media, get off of it. I just, I would like to rebuttal that and say, we cannot discount this because this is where people live. This is another space in the world where you can have an impact. Yeah. Um, so those nine hours are just me scrolling. It is, there's a beneficial benefit to that of I'm talking to people. I'm having real conversations, honest conversations. Yeah. I'm going to get arthritis in my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be a new thing. So much. Yeah. Um, but I know that there is a benefit. I'm just trying to find that balance. Okay. Having that yeah. I appreciate that. Honestly, I think, I think that's a lot of people are listening, watching. They're probably like, yeah. I mean, if I had to admit that, I would, I would admit the same thing. I'm sweaty right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really tell as much, but, yeah. but no, but like, I think a lot of us have to, are doing kind of a pause to say how much time are we spending? Mm -hmm. And some of it's escapism. Some of it's like of interest. Some of it, I call it like information gathering <laughs> and um and some of it is just pure like the things that i see and learn and about people about styles about ways it's amazing yeah. because growing up i never had this i mean this is new within the what past 10, 10 15 years i don't know how like, long an iphone or i feel like 10. i think like in the last 10 it's right like yeah, yeah because i was part I, I signed up to facebook in 2007 Okay. So that's, and so we didn't have Facebook. I don't even think Google was, I don't even know if when Google was around, Facebook, 2007, Instagram, I was late, and a late adopter to Instagram. 
but 2007 was Facebook. So we didn't have all this mm -hmm. until like for some of us, like we were in our, like our thirties, mm -hmm. like early thirties. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, this is wild, but I, yeah, I love social media. I have to probably curb some of my time on it. Yeah. Cause it can suck you. Like, especially like, like reels and. That's, oh yeah. Okay. Just flip, that for a flip, hot second. Flip. Literally, come on, come on. They're not yeah. even on Instagram anymore. They're on YouTube. They're on YouTube Netflix, and Netflix, yeah. Facebook? Facebook. I watched them through Facebook. I can, and one time I was doing looking through the, the videos and reels, and it was like an hour and a half, and I looked up, and I'm like, yeah. how did that happen? Yeah. Sun went down. Come on. Down. <laughs> You're like, what happened to my day? My family's left for like, you know, <laughs> like for like hey, Christmas dinner at, at Mums and I'm like still there, like what just happened? <laughs> the enemies, I feel like the enemies main form right now of uh, getting people away from crisis distraction, like we listened mm. to in chapel today. Yeah, we did. Talk about distractions. That is one way that I feel like I need. I'm gonna pray about it. I'm like, God, release me from the addiction to my phone, and then actually try to put some practical. Yeah. Thing that that's good. That's Accountability good. for anyone listening. Guys, I love this. Right yeah, I love this conversation. <laughs> you know, so you mentioned church, and I want to know your thoughts about the the church. Oops, got so excited. Uh, maybe some questions, and from your perspective, both of you, like, what does it need to focus on to engage you in the next generation? Because, and be honest, because this is something I'm learning. I'm in the same place. I've done a lot of shows on deconstruction. I've, I've had to face many questions from friends and people who have left the faith that were, were friends of mine that were that were followers of Jesus and have left. Mm -hmm. And we've had, every week, we have conversations about the church, the way, Christians, yeah. identification of Christians and people going, they don't look like a Christian, you know. So I just want to hear your thoughts about, your thoughts about the church and what do you believe the church needs to do do to engage all people to love all people and your generation big question but I, i'd love to hear it and you, it was interesting yeah. okay if people are just listening you need to see the looks of misha and christina <laughs> as i said that question. just so many things i know like, like your eyes both went mm? yeah and then you're like mm, okay yeah because yeah, you know what it's a moment of um i am a very direct person often that's confused with anger okay and so I don't want to unnecessarily communicate in an angry way. Right. Um, but I'm angry. Yeah. So I'm like trying to make sure I'm framing it right, which is why I was like, hey, Christina, you go first. <laughs> Let me take a minute. Do you need to go outside? Come back. I'm like, ooh. Okay, I'm good. Go okay. Sure, yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm, I feel like I'm more apathetic than angry. Um, I think mm -hmm. that's even worse in some capacity. Uh -huh. Once you have yeah. apathy, you don't care anymore. Uh, I go to a church consistently now, and I, um, I think the thing, the thing that really just works, grinds my gears, mm. is my parents are immigrants. I'm sure you guys mm -hmm. have parents that are immigrants or grandparents. Um, and they are not engaged in the North American way that we do church. I can tell you that for a fact. That the North American way, way we do church is there's pastors, they say sermons, we go to church, we leave, we have mingling after, and then we go home, and nobody's invited into your home. And I'm not saying that for every single person, every single church. I'm not going to make a generalization. Um, but my parents don't go because they don't feel seen, loved, heard. See here. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like I feel like we do it in a very North American way, and we have. We haven't looked outside of our own country, outside of our own borders to see, like, 
how do people do church in other parts of the world and what is successful for them in terms of success? I don't mean like people, right? People that are in yeah. sitting in your pews. Mm-hmm. I mean, success and like, are you changing people's hearts towards Jesus? Mm-hmm. So in terms of what I feel like is working grounded by here is we're, we're just doing it the way we've always done it. And we're not, we're not listening to the spirit. We're kind of stuck right now. It feels mm-hmm. And once again, not making generalization. I'm sure there's a lot of churches that are listening to God and, and move, trying to move in that direction. Um, but from what I've seen, it just feels like we're doing it the way that we all, we've always done it because that's how we found success in the past. Wow. What does success look like in the future? God has many ways he's moving right now. Mm-hmm. Can we access that? Are we accessing that? Mm-hmm. That's that's the one thing that I would. That's good oh. because it, it has been. And that's a, that's really good Christina because I find that over the past couple years or more that I've been part of church it's become formulaic this is what you do and then see you next week yeah Yeah. and we don't have dinner together invite people in because my individuals yeah that's just our culture when I grew up in in the Philippines and Singapore it was always about like church was about more about bringing a community and, and strangers and neighbors for dinners for coffee, for hangout, than actually the focus on the service. It was yeah. like, let's get the service over with. Let's get the people in. Let's share and break bread mm. and show love of Jesus. Yeah. 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 So don't get me wrong. There is an importance to the service. The way we're doing it, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And the, the way that people aren't looking outside, like I said, yeah. across, across the country, across our own borders. Mm. What are people doing? How are they accessing the spirit in a different way that we're not, we're not doing? Yeah. That's really good. Wow. Okay. Done. Uh, can you repeat the question? I want to make sure I don't just like run on the track here. So Misha, <laughs> what are your thoughts about the church today and what does it need to focus on to engage you and the next generation? Okay. Thank you. Much appreciated. For 100, please. <laughs> <laughs> it should be for 600. Sorry, we go. for 600. For 600. Um, so here's my thing is I uh, left a mega church in the last two years. The mega church is identified as any church that's a thousand or more congregants. Mm-hmm. Uh, my church had between like 2,500 to 3,000 on a Sunday. And I left and my community did not follow me. Oh. Right? So I would walk the streets and I would see people who were in that church uh, across the street just didn't know how to like do the talk with me. Like, oh, is she still a Christian? Because if she's not still a Christian, I don't know if we have anything in common to talk about. Oh. Or there would be questions like, oh, did something happen? Was there some sort of like, you know, scandal? Um, and all of those things made them not talk to me. So I ended up losing so many friends and I had a huge community when I was there and then made me question what community means, which is why when you said, because you know what you said, thinking yes, the concept that church is Canadian is incorrect. It is a glo- it works global. It's yeah. God's whole world. Mm-hmm. And we can have a lot to learn from other people. Um, but what I really want to say is as I'm looking for a new community and growing new community um, in my life is honesty. Because I know that we use the word authenticity, but I think we hide behind it because it's like, this is my truth. But actual just honesty. I think it's in, in regards to leadership, we know what's been going on the last couple of years. It has been absolutely heartbreaking. But for a lot of us, we've been apathetic towards it. It's like, oh yeah, of course, this is how, this is how it goes. Of course, women aren't being listened to. Of course, we're literally not trusted. Live, uh, of course, we're not getting platforms. 
Of course, they're not believing us when we say it the first time. Mm-hmm. We're apathetic towards it, and that's so unfortunate. But I feel like when you are a pastor, when you are a leader, there's a different calling on your life, and that's biblical. It's different. Mm-hmm. You are called to be honest. You're not called to be to say, oh, I'm the first one to say I'm not perfect. Okay, but why? Mm-hmm. Okay, but let's talk about it. Because I know it's hard to be honest in a really vulnerable way, vulnerable way about something you did that's really, really bad. Um, if you've never been that honest before and you've never been that vulnerable Especially before. Especially in front of a, a, a congregation and the world and Instagram and YouTube. It's obviously hard. Which means we need to figure out how to make it more of a day-to-day thing. Let's be honest as much as possible. Mm-hmm. They always say in Bible study when you're leading it that we should just... Uh, we should share our own story as the Bible study leader so that the, t- the group will actually open up more. And I feel like from the pulpit, that's what I want to see more. My whole life, pastors have always been the one we looked up to. And for, the, for my whole Christian life, and that's from 2014 till now, I've seen pastor after pastor after pastor get pulled away from the pulpit because of something they did in secret. Mm. And I just wish I knew them better. You always go, oh, and you know the people I worry about the most in that? It's not at the front, it's not really the, the family. I mean, the family, obviously, but it's the second. It's the person who didn't realize they put the pastor in the place of their savior. Mm-hmm. Someone whose loyalty was in the pastor and not God. They didn't even realize it until that person was shown to be a human, made a huge mistake, and now their faith is in question. And I think if we could just be more comfortable with being open and honest and just vulnerable, mm-hmm that maybe we'd be able to learn what grace actually means. But right now we're just angry because we're like, oh my gosh, we've been duped mm-hmm. for 20, 30 years. Well, because you're looking at this person who is seemingly like perfect in all their yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at yourself for years, like I can't live up to that. Mm-hmm. And then they have this big fallout mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. now I now I don't know who I am, who they are, yes. what faith is. Yes, yeah. but yeah. we should just be able to see them as humans who make mistakes on a regular basis. I'm not, I'm not obviously saying that anything that we've seen as of late is, yeah. obviously I'm like, oh, I won't even go into it. But it's more like I don't, we don't have a, a, um, a culture of, of honesty, just yeah. straight up, just tell me the truth. Just tell me what's going on. And, you know, the h- hardest thing for me is um, the women who have said things in the past that was hidden to protect the reputation of the church. Mm-hmm. You know, the hardest thing for me is to evangelize people is, I was an adult when I became a Christian. So I had tons of non-Christian friends. And the thing they always say to me is it just seems kind of fake. Like everyone just kind of kind of fake. It's everything's like you always get the bow on top story. And then God, and then God. What about when it just a hundred percent sucks? Yeah. What about when it's tragedy? What about when it's catastrophic? And all you can do for that day in the rest of hope is actually I got eight hours of sleep last night. That's all I did that was good yesterday. That's all I did that was positive in my life yesterday is that I got eight hours of sleep and I drank water because I didn't just drink coffee that day. You know, sometimes it just sucks to be a human and to be an adult. And can we talk from that space as opposed to God comes through in this way? Because God is sovereign all the time, even when it 100% sucks. But that's not what we hear from the pulpit. We hear from the pulpit the ending. You know, I've been praying for this for my whole life and then I got it. Now here's the story. Can you tell me in the middle when it sucks? That's why I talk about my, that's why I talk about my right. single life so much. It's because I'd never heard it. I always heard it when the, when they were married at the end. 
And I was like, no, I'm going to talk about it right now when it sucks, when I'm crying, when I'm on my knees, I've been praying for 10 years for a husband and I'm experiencing all these difficulties. That's when I'm going to talk about it because God is sovereign right now, even when it sucks. And I wish people on the pulpit were doing that too, because I don't have very many people to look up to who are standing on the pulpit. Mm -hmm. I have people like Cheryl Nemlard, who's behind the camera, who's saying it. I have people like you, Melinda, who are standing behind the camera saying it, but on the pulpit where we go on Sunday mm -hmm. to learn something, Man, I just wish it was more honest. Yeah. It's good. It's a lot to sit in. Mm. Like I'm taking it all in mm. what you're saying. Because mm. I think me being involved in the church and me having relationships with people that are pastors and leaders in church, I, I'm just listening to you because I'm thinking, taking what I'm hearing you say and then translating it, sharing it with them, it's gonna, it's important. Because I think what you're saying is really important for us yeah. to hear. Yeah. It really is. I think on the flip side of that though, honesty has been so hard probably for people in that position because of the judgment. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So it's like, it's this cycle. <laughs> it's a cycle. It's like the book you're talking about, Grace, yeah. like how can we live in that? Mm -hmm. Not only do they have to be honest, but I think we have to be a little bit less judgmental because they're in that position of power, but also like they have that calling. So they have to be a little bit more responsible. So mm. it's kind of like this cycle. It's like, Who's chicken or egg? Who's, who's, who's <laughs> yeah. the first one? And yeah. how do we break that? And I think it's just like by people like you having those honest conversations first and saying, like calling them out mm -hmm. and being called out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but. This is a perfect segue because the next question I have was, what do I as a Gen Xer need to know about your generation? What can I learn from you? You know, I'm learning a lot. I've actually learned a ton from just listening. But here I am going, okay, I need to learn. And that was, that was a really cool thing. Um, that came from one of my, like my women who I love, Joe Saxton. Love her. And she oh was talking about leadership. And she said, you know, it's all about like listening and leaning in, but it's, it's also about like really asking, like, what can I learn? I'll, I'll go okay, go ahead. Unless you have something. What I can I learn from you? What can I learn? And to, to all the Gen Xers, <laughs> listen up right now. Take okay. notes. Take notes. Pen and paper. So this is my experience and I don't want to generalize. I think I've said that even with my last question, but I'd like to think things are a little bit emotionally harder than they've been in the past. We're exposed to a lot. Media, social media, like we were talking about, the news. Life wasn't like that before TV and media. You had a problem in your own country and you would hear about it. You you had a war in your own country and it, it was kind of like this idea that ignorance is bliss and you're, you're taking on the worries that are significant to you. But now we're taking on the worries of the world mm. and it feels heavy all the time. I go through life, actually, I, I don't think I've actually said this out loud, but I go through life feeling this guilt for so many things. I feel guilty when I use plastic cups. I'm like, I'm contributing to pollution. I feel guilty when I don't donate to an organization like the Ukrainian war efforts or that they're trying to do. And I feel guilty when, you know, I'm not informed about this tragic incident that happened in Texas. I feel guilty that I wasn't a part of that. I feel guilty I'm not doing more. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to let that guilt lead me to apathy, which is what I feel like has been happening. But I feel like as Gen Xers, we're exposed to so much. And because we've been exposed to it our whole life, I don't know if we've been given the tools to kind of deal with it. Like, 
And not only that, like we don't even have access to these affordable therapists or counselors. Like we have to either use our benefits or just go on social media where there's like therapists and counselors trying to help you there. And we don't have these resources. I feel like sometimes I'm drowning in this like world of, oh, there's so much. And I just need to focus on like the good and the positive Mm -hmm. and because everything is so heavy and it feels weighty and it feels hard. And I, I think I'm just swimming through this like mud right now and I see this light but sometimes the light just feels like retirement or something (laughs) you know it feels like it's gonna be hard until you die and that I mean yeah that sounds very bleak and dark but it's true sometimes that's what it feels like and I feel like this generation has it a lot heavier than maybe previous generations and that's because of our access to everything in this polarized world where everybody Mm. has a super strong opinion and as soon as you say your own opinion you're like butting heads with someone and mm. that's why i've just ch- chosen to like kind of escape from the polarized opinions and conflicts because sometimes it just feels easier yeah so that's for me and that's what i feel like is generationally happening right now that's big so for somebody like me who's i'm like you know you're the next generation with that how can i help how can i alleviate some of that for you what what can I, how can I learn and what can I do? I think you are already doing it by providing a platform for us to speak. I think that's one way. I think another way is what you're already doing as well, listening and understanding so that when someone comes to you with a problem that maybe doesn't seem as big to you, I'm not saying you specifically, but I'm thinking of like my parents, like if I go to them and say like, I've been really emotional, they're like, get up, you can do it. You can figure it out. You're good. Like don't sit in your emotions. And that's, I'm not blaming them, but that's yeah. the way they were raised, right? Um, so letting us sit in our emotions and like understanding that it is a little bit harder sometimes for us to function. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe me, but. Well, no, I think specifically in our generation, like I was reading something recently where it said how our generation was um, able to identify tragedy a lot earlier. Like we had, I think I was 11. At when September the 11th, September the 11th happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm coherent at that point. I can, I know what's happening on the news. I know the death numbers. I know what, I know about terrorists when I was 11. You were nine or eight. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Right? And so, and think about every mass murder, every world tragedy, every war that's happened that was directly in front of my face. I got a cell phone when I was 12. So I was, I was aware of it all constantly and then mm-hmm. there's that so that's why i say what you're saying is so true and then on top of that um the access it's you you always need to not access our opinion in conversation our generation it's almost like we are hurting ourselves we need to have an opinion on everything yeah it's like well, what do you think about this it's like what well, you can't say i don't have an opinion on that it's like or else swearing. it's like oh look at you you haven't been informed yeah you have to be woke. Everyone has to know everything about everything. Mm. It's not just the fact that it's in your face constantly. You better know about it. You better be informed about it. How dare you speak on it until you know about it? And there's parts that I totally agree with. But yeah, it's like you need to know everything about everything all the time and not let it absolutely ruin your life. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot to carry. Yeah. Emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually. Yeah. yeah. And so personally for me, as far as like in responding to that same question of what do I want Gen Xs to know about millennials is we're in a different world in regards to singleness and marriage and family and what families look like. Mm-hmm. It just looks very different. I think there's an idea that 
single people will be married one day. So it's a season of singleness. And so it's addressed in a very two-dimensional way. It's like, while you're single, I'm going to make sure I burn you out at church and sign you up for every single possible thing and babysit every single kid. You don't have a family. You don't have a family, so I'm more tired than you. So I'm going to give you all this work to do. I'm going to sign it, all these things, whatever. But I wish Gen Xers actually, not just Gen Xers, but baby boomers, everybody, had an idea of what our actual lives look like. And with this platform, being able to speak about it is most important to me. I just, there's a lot of things we have to do by ourselves. And we figured it out, but it's very hard. And I think often we don't want to talk about it because it feels like we're being pitied. And that's literally the worst thing for a confident career person is to feel like we're being pitied. But at the same time, we do want some compassion because my single life isn't just like a cute anecdote at a wedding table. Oh my gosh, like who are you dating right now? Like sometimes it is that, but a lot of times it's like, okay, well, I would love one day to own a home. Do I want to live in a home by myself? Do I feel safe by myself? Mm-hmm. Am, am I holding back my career because I'm single? Do I feel like the church hears me? You got to think about this too. Every sermon anecdote that comes from the platform in 2022 is from the lens of a married person. Single people aren't allowed on the platform. It just goes like that. You've got to have, you've got to be married to get to a lot of churches to be a Bible study leader or to stand on the stage. Um, it's just very rare that you'll get a single person on stage, man or woman. And so when you tell a story that says, okay, so my wife, she's my better half. My wife couldn't do anything without her. My wife, where would I be without her? I can't relate at all. I have no concept for that. So as a single person, we have to walk through life with all the learnings that we get from stage and kind of translate them to our actual life. And it seems kind of little, but that's just how we've figured out how to do life and how we figured out how to read books and how we figured out how to be exist in church is well one day when I'll be married I'll understand it more but you know what we get back from people when we tell them like wait but I'm single what what about me it's like yeah but you will be married so this is good for you too okay I will be married I will be married I will be married and then I hear the church say don't put marriage on a pedestal I'm so confused because everything in church is telling me I'll be married one day, so I hold on to that hope. And then the church tells me not to put marriage on a pedestal and to live in my singleness with joy. I'm so confused. Mm -hmm. There's not anyone talking about that from the pulpit. So we're trying to figure it out on our own. We're like this small rebel army of single people (laughs) trying to figure out how to like do life as single people with not an understanding that we will be married, that we hope to be. You know, it's a huge desire of my heart, probably the biggest desire of my heart. But I may not be. I, don't, I didn't get one of those callings from God where it was like, you're going to be married you know, Thursday or whatever. I didn't get that. So I'm following what God is calling me to do, but I'm single right now. So let's talk to my actual singleness. Operating in life by yourself. Mm-hmm. Just you and God. How do we do that? And that's what I would want everybody who has an opportunity. And that's why I say Gen Xers, because they're almost like the gatekeepers right now. So if you can give a platform to a single person, who's qualified? I'm not just saying give the mic to anybody, but who you trust and you, you know, even mentor to talk about their lives in an honest and vulnerable way and to not put boundaries around, okay, but is that gonna relate to the most of the church? Mm -hmm. Just let us speak and find our people. Oh my gosh, the change Mm -hmm. that could happen. One last thing, I've been on a tangent, but one last thing is that 
there are things that you learn when you're an adult and a single person, like post, like when you're 30 and single, let's say, for instance, or 40 and single, 50 and single, that you don't learn when you're 19, 18, 20 years old in singleness. Mm -hmm. So there are things that's like unlocked knowledge that God and the Holy Spirit has given to single people that doesn't exist in married people. It's not there in the same way. Mm -hmm. So what if we could open up that, like, chasm of knowledge of what it's like to live with just you and God for most of your adult life. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Life change. Wow. And I'm hearing, you know, I'm sitting here listening and I have been very deeply convicted because as a Gen Xer, I have been guilty of sitting with friends and going, the millennials, (laughs) emotional, entitled, emotional, you know, always want, like, I'm not, and I hate to say this, and I'm not trying to, like, out all of my friends. Because some of my friends will say, like, Mel, <laughs> don't tell them it's me. But because I think, you know, for every generation, we look at our generation, go, oh, we had it hard. This is what we had to, like, overcome. And then we look at the next generation and think, oh, easy. They think it's hard, but they have no I, idea how hard it was I'm for us. I'm that for the Gen Zers. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm that's, that's exactly yeah. TikTok. <laughs> But I think there's so much of, as I'm listening, just for me, for Gen Xers, boomers to choose kindness, compassion, listening and opportunity. I think sometimes for Gen Xers and boomers, it's like we have worked so hard to get here and I'm going to hold on to that space and role and position. Um, I'm not thinking about succession. I don't want anybody to take my my role. And I'll be honest with you, as a woman mm. who's Filipino, who had to work very, 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 very hard to get where she is, especially in the church, someone who had leadership, communication, small, quite opinionated, brown, mm-hmm. it's not been an easy journey. Mm-hmm. And so there's a part where I, God really convicted me. I was like, I was like, oh no, no one's going to come and take my place. I'm going to be, because God, look how hard it's been, mm-hmm. you know? And God was like, yeah. Because I led you through and I connected you with, and now it's time for you to do the same for others. And so, you know, just sort of living in this open-handed way. But I feel that compassion and listening, giving opportunity, being with you, I think sometimes we tend to just sort of, you know, us Gen X are sort of like stay together and we kind of look at the, the generations from the outside in. But even our time together has been really enriching for me because I'm actually listening. But I'm, I learned so much. I had no idea. I had no idea about some of the things that you've been saying. And so kindness for yourself, kindness for me to show more of these kinds of conversations, yeah. listening, learning, opportunity. I think that's what it is. And I, I'm taking, you know, mental notes about things because I'm, you know, hanging out with a, a bunch of women coming this weekend and want to share some of the things that you've been saying so that we can learn because we're all Gen Xers and boomers. Mm-hmm. So it's really, really good. On that note, I could talk to you guys for three hours. We've gone really long. But I want to end with a blessing to both of you from Ivor Swartz. Uh, I condensed it a little bit, but I was like, I could easily just do a prayer, but this one I really thought was really cool for the two of you. And he wrote this for the millennials, the people who have been called lazy, entitled, and inexperienced. And for those who consider themselves young enough to live carefree and yet throw themselves dangerously into world-changing creative work, dreaming the impossible and doing the unthinkable. So this prayer is for you. So I pray that you don't fear the threats of the grim-faced, this is how we've always done it crowd. 
their bark is worse than a bite. And I pray that you find the best coffee shops to hang out at with people who truly care about you, your doubts and questions, because they're the ones you gladly pay the bill for. And I pray that you spend that, I pray that the people you spend your best days with will be there on your worst days too. That those who like your Instagram posts will be the ones you have home cooked Sunday lunches with. Always include big mama portions of fried chicken. <laughs> and I pray that your plans to travel the world won't leave you young and broke, but you'll open a long-term investment account of the most colorful memories. As moments or people fill your bucket list with them. And I pray that you never skip leg day or tequila Tuesday, but save your friends the FOMO by, by not telling all of social media about it because lonely people have Wi-Fi too. Mm. And I pray that your external appearances do not determine your internal feelings. You're so much more than those Adidas superstars in white skinny jeans. And I pray that every song you listen to will give you enough goosebumps so you can pick up a pen and paper and give language to the places music has taken you. Mm. Music is an old faithful friend. And I pray that every time your fingers touch your keyboard to hashtag your protest against anything, your phone would autocorrect every angry word to kindness is gangster. Love. Remember that. And I pray that you learn to genuinely love people and carefully use things. That commitment does not mean ball and chain and settling down is only the beginning of a new adventure. Trust me, he says I'm there. And I pray you'll own your wild hair and bad puns and to stop stalking the guy or girl who stole your crush. <laughs> There's no shame in coming home for dinners for one. <laughs> and I pray you stop comparing yourself with those ahead of you, that you won't get discouraged about where you are at because of where someone else is at. And most of all, I pray that you wake up each morning, Misha and Christina, knowing you have work to do that this world desperately needs. And I pray you never shy away from giving it all you've got. Millennial, I pray for you. Passion. That was really beautiful. Yeah, I can't even... Um... The, the emotions that I've had that this podcast has, uh, yeah, just brought within me even that very, just very, it's kind of ironic, the words that you had just said and what we just talked about. It. Mm -hmm. and like it was, yeah. This was rich, and I really felt God here with us, and I know that God has plans that might surprise you, plans that might not be in your own timing, things that you're doing, I, here's the thing, I, as a Gen Xer, I'm looking at you too, like, I'm so proud of you. I, I wish when I was your age, I had girlfriends like you, really, uh, because I see the desire and the openness and the hope in all things, you know, and that is really encouraging for me, that when I'm like, oh, millennials, I'll stop saying that and be like, yes, millennials, you know, you guys are going to do things that we Gen Xers could never do, that didn't want to do, or just didn't have the means to do. And so I'm really hopeful with you in the world, both of you. And so I thank you so much for being here. We're not to do this again, because this was enriching for me. I loved this conversation. And so thank you, Misha, for being here, and Christina. Thank you. And as you go, as my son always says, as you be the best that you can, as you follow Jesus, when you're single and engaged, as you create content, as you one day hopefully have the kindergartners. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, right? But as you navigate church and community and kindred spirits and your tribe and dinners for one, dinners for two, as you hang out with groups of people like the LGBTQ or marginalized or whatever groups that the love of Jesus will be so evident in you as you shine. Right?
program, but as you do, like I say, know that you are seen in the world and you're deeply loved by God. Thanks so much for being with me. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.